these are the things that can make you better at what you do, but it's going to come down to, are you getting results? You know, that's where I would really focus master your skill. Welcome to Level Up Radio presented by Coach Now. I'm Spencer Dennis. And on today's show, we feature Will Robbins. Will is one of the most innovative coaches I've had the pleasure of meeting in my seven plus years here at Coach Now. He is a golf coach, but ultimately he's a coach's coach. He is one that has built an incredibly sustainable and scalable business in the world of coaching. And he's done that primarily by creating really dynamic coaching programs. So again, he's in the world of golf, which is normally an individual sport, but because he was exchanging time for money and in his words, not making a ton of it doing so, he not necessarily stumbled, but really developed his niche by creating these group coaching programs for all different ages and all different skill levels. In doing so, he's built a really, really powerful business that now coaches from all over the world are seeking uh, information on how to do it. So not only is he coaching athletes, but he is coaching coaches as well. So during this conversation, we're going to take a really hard look at his different coaching programs, his philosophy, how he's scaled and how he's hired. And then additionally, we're going to talk a bit about how he coaches coaches to do uh, just what he's done in a multitude of sports. So I know I learned a ton. I know that you will as well. So thanks again for tuning in and we will catch you after the show. All right, Will. Hey, man. Thank you for joining. I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Great to be on the call, buddy. And uh, always love getting to share coaching and, and, and building business. So it's, it's my passion. Heck yeah, man. So let, let's start off with, uh, let's start off with just what you're doing on the day to day, right? So we can talk about the origin story a little bit in a little bit, but let's talk about what a typical day looks like for you, um, in running your coaching business. Yeah. So day to day, I pretty much, uh, hop on, on calls, training calls throughout the day. Uh, I'm speaking to coaches all over the world, uh, whether it's in a group of six, eight, ten, or if it's one-on-one because they need specific help, but it's really where they are in their business, where they need to get to, and what support do they need. And so from from there, it's handing them off to my team or certain video courses they need to watch or getting them the materials that they need to have success. So everybody's an individual that they just come to us in a team environment, and uh, I'm there to sort of mentor them and coach them to their goals. Right on. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit more about that and what your split might be. Cause I believe you're still actively coaching athletes. Am I right? Yeah. 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 So you're still, you've got that side of your business and then you've got yeah. the coach to coach side of your business. So let, let's maybe kind of split them in two just for now and then we'll figure yeah. out where they overlap. So let, let's talk a little bit about how you got to where you are in regards to your athlete coaching. Um, a bit of the origin story there and how, your programming has evolved because right, we're talking lesson model versus coaching model. We're talking yeah. individuals versus groups. You, you've kind of run the gamut and you've had a lot of experience in doing so and creating a super profitable coaching business for yourself. Um, so maybe talk about where you started and what kind of models you were, you were selling yeah. at the point and then what, how you evolved to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I kind of started off where many of us start off, which is having played your sport for as a profession, uh, played on the mini tours, and like many of us, had an injury and basically didn't have a didn't have a a job for about a year because I had to get get recovery from this injury. And someone offered me to start teaching, and my response was, "Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. Mm. I don't want to be a teacher. I want to play for a living." And then looked at my bank account and thought, maybe I should start teaching. So I went out there and started, you know, did the one hour model. Like I, I didn't know anything better, stood on the driving range and I just had people coming to me confused, totally overwhelmed. And I'm just like, oh, this is, I mean, very quickly I realized this is something I don't want to do, hmm. but I felt like I could get them better. And my experience had been playing. So I was just like, look, can we just hop in a cart and go on the golf course? And so, you know, they're 15 minutes into a, pri- into a private lesson. I'm confused because they're telling me, insane amounts of things about their swing and i'm like let's just go and play three holes we play three holes we'd come in and they were just blown away because i'd simplified it down to mm. who cares if you slice it just aim down the left or take a three wood or i just want you to break 90 for the first time and then we'll get to that maybe that swing problem but your problem isn't your swing right now it's that you have tons of tension or you don't know how to play the game and so okay to me i remember being stuck in this model and just thinking i don't want to do this 
And there's no way I can do it in a one hour model. There's just no way because I need to play with you. I need to practice with you. I need to mentor you on and off the golf course. You need to understand how I think I need to understand how, how am I going to ask you? I was charging 60 bucks an hour at that time, which was, mm -hmm. was quite a bit. And I was like, what am I going to do? Ask you for 50 hours. It's just not going to happen. Not where I was, you know, it's not a wealthy, you know, not a crazy wealthy area that I can ask for that money. And so that's when I really just remember saying, look, if I'm going to do this, my, my, over that next year, my playing career really came to an end. And I said, I got to go all in or I just got to quit this and find something different to do. And I didn't want to quit golf. So I just said, look, let's just build a coaching program. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but what I did know was in college, I got really good, really quick because I was around golfers all the time. We competed always, whether it was on the putting green, on the course, Anything we did was in competition. Yeah. And so I just, I, I, there were 16 players I was teaching. I asked them all to come. We all sat down. I remember at Empire Ranch, and I just said to them, listen, you've got to trust in me. The next 12 weeks, you're going to come out to unlimited coaching at these set times, early morning for playing lessons, evenings for playing lessons, and during the day, we'd do coaching sessions. And I said, if you do this, give me a thousand bucks. It was actually nine hundred and fifty-seven dollars. My dad said, "Pick a number." Number, yeah. So I picked nine fifty-seven. Yeah. Um, all 16 players signed up and over those next 12 weeks, I basically just told them exactly what they needed to know because I became their coach. I didn't care what they wanted to know. Oh, teach me about your driver. Give me your driver. I'm going to throw it in the freaking lake. You don't know how to hit it. <laughs> I need you to put a, I need you to put a nine iron in play for all I care. Just stop slicing the ball out of bounds. And so everybody came with, here's my goal. And I guaranteed them, if you don't get there, I'll teach you for free till you do. So my, wow. my ass was on the line because it was like, I have to give you what you need. Cause if, if you don't get what you need, you're not going to get the result. And then I'm not teaching you for free. Yeah. So it put me in this place of a real coach, right? Like, like if you think of an NFL coach, they're going to tell you're off the bench, you're on the bench. You, you don't go, well, coach, I'd like to be kicker today. It's like, shut the hell up. You're quarterback. You know what I mean? All but that's right. what yeah, yeah. Do. I like it. So it changed the power into me being able to coach the game. And in that, those 11 weeks, the, the average player, sorry, in those 12 weeks, the average player dropped 11 shots. I had the guy never touched a club before with not much athletic ability. And he would agree to that. He broke a hundred. I had guys go from 95 to 80. I had guys go from 85 to 75, 76 to 69. It didn't matter what level wow. they were at. They all got insanely good. And then they just blew up from there. It just went crazy because everybody knew there was this new thing going on. I signed up 22 people that the next one was $1,200 and I cut it to 10 weeks and I signed 20, 22 or 23 people up in two days, got underway with that, killed it again. And, and the results just kept on getting better and better because I'd shifted from, I'm your servant. Here's my time. Give me your money. What would you like to work yeah. on to you're coming to me for a result. I know where your game's at because I'm going to get to know it and learn it. I'm not going to mm -hmm. fix anything. I'm going to help you get out your own way, get the skills you need, and we're going to get there. And if we don't, I'll teach you for free. And they just went crazy from then on. So, Wow, man. And how long ago was that? First one was on April 1st, 2008. So okay. on April 1st, 2008, April Fool's Day, in November of that <laughs> year when the uh, stock market crashed, we went from the year prior I made 20,000. Mean, it's okay to share these numbers, right? I'm not trying to be... Yeah, Arrogant. yeah. I just want to. No, I, th I think it's important. We're talking. Okay, about twenty thousand. I started on April first that year. I made a grossed seventy five. The next year, I also added some juniors in, grossed one fifty. Following year, I grossed two thirty two. So in the three worst years economic history in my lifetime, we went from twenty thousand to two hundred thirty thousand with raving yeah. fans and people going crazy for it because they're like, I'll pay the money because you're going to get me the result. And so when I hear people say, well, they won't pay the money. Yeah. Because you're selling them time and you're selling them features. You're not selling right. them the benefits. What are they going to feel like when they break 80 when they become a single digit golfer, when their kid gets a scholarship. And that's what I just dived into. And hmm. that's kind of how it all kicked off for me at, 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 here in Sacramento. And, you know, just went, went gangbusters after that. For sure. Yeah. And when I'm listening to that, you know, and you're, you're referencing time for money in, in, in different ways, right? You're saying that that's essentially a phrase in a few different ways. How did you feel after those 10 or 12 week courses, you personally, like energy oh, wise, less burnt out? Yeah, we, we all went out to dinner. Uh, a Mexique restaurant that last night, we all stood up and just talked about what we'd experienced, what we'd gone through. And these are guys to this day, 
who are like, well, I was in your first program or I was in your second program. I was in your third program. I mean, these people know I love these people. I mean, I'm going to go and play golf at uh, Olympic club on Thursday with one of them. Mm. Um, and his son is now, has been in my high school program after going, heading off to go and play college golf for the last five years. And these are, these are people who are my friends and I never went to work one day. I went out there and we played golf. You know, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. We had 16 people on the golf course, four foursomes all playing. But guess what? What I realized was, I am not there to teach you anything. I am there to facilitate learning. Mm. You see, the game I set, the game I put in front of you is the coach. So when I give you three clubs and tell you go and play, yep. you're going to figure out how to put it in play, how to avoid bunkers because yeah. you don't have the... Let the game be the coach. I'm there to make sure you can learn because I've connected you into the right groups. I'm keeping the pace up. I'm answering yeah. questions and asking questions more than answering, I suppose. If yeah. I answer a question, it would be, well, why would you ask that? And so I really realized that the role of a coach is to, is to hold the space properly, not to try and fix and go down the line and make sure everybody had three minutes of my time. I don't, some mm. people needed 30 minutes today and some guys need nothing because they were doing what they needed to do, you know? So that's where I really started to realize how, I mean, I can just, I can coach all day and there's no energy. There's not a feeling of energy to it. Yeah. Playing golf with my buddies, you know? No. And, and, you know, I, I never took it to the length that you have, which I think what you're doing is spot on. But I can tell you that before the advent of Edufy, which is now Coach Now, like before I got into that, I definitely was leaning towards what you're doing um, and kind of just discovering it on my own. I didn't necessarily have any mentors uh, Mm -hmm. that kind of led me there, although I had some experience at golf academies and other things of what worked and maybe didn't. Um, But I, I believe wholeheartedly, right, in setting up the framework uh, and let the game be the teacher, I think is what you just yeah. said there was yeah. really spot on, right? So cr- creating constraints yeah. that the athlete then has to operate within yeah. and letting uh, those moments be the teaching moments. And you can calibrate some of their efforts, but hopefully you're not fully holding their hand through every single swing change because Absolutely. you've set up a framework that establishes whether you're going to be fixing something technical or strategy, um, exactly. things like that. Exactly. You know, like uh, Saturday mornings, I go out and coach my high school players that want to go and play college golf. And so we tee off early and we did a short game assessment this weekend, but we had three holes to play in. So we played three man teams. We let them be the captain. So they, you know, mm-hmm. the, and, and the, it was the highest scorers were the captains and they picked, the, we had two pros. And, you know, the first three holes we played scramble, the next three holes we played alternate shot, and the last three, the last, sorry, hole we played worse ball. And the kid, yeah. they just had a blast, you know, because yeah. you're like, oh my God, if I don't get this ball out of the bunker, we're all having to hit this bunker shot again, you know? And right. so it was phenomenal. There's this interaction. And a parent might be like, well, there were nine of you on the putting green. What could you have learned? And I'm like, you just learned how to hit a four foot putt in front of nine people, knowing that if you'd have missed, you'd have beaten yourself up for the whole day. Mm. That's empowering. That's what a coach does. He simulates the pressure that you're going to feel that when you get over it, you learn from that, not build you up, put you in a safe space, let you hit it great and leave the range where all I'm going to do is let you drop to the ground because I've, I've, I've raised you up to make you think golf is easy. It's not, it's hard. Right, yeah. And then you go in a tournament shoot 90, but I hit it great on the range on Friday. You hit it great right. on, the range on Friday. Good for you. Like that's not the same as going and competing on a golf course. So it's about caring about the player enough to find that balance of who they are and what their goals are, aligning those goals and making sure that they can have success and see success to be true, which is, Hey, I played in my first tournament. I, I broke 50 for the first time. Brilliant. Well done. Right. What's our next goal? Yeah. Rather than, oh, I shot a 49. Why? Because you're comparing yourself to a high school senior when you're a freshman. That's a terrible idea. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I love it, man. Because I'm looking back at my own career and recognizing how much more scale I could have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Kind of taking these models. In some ways, I'm kind of fortunate that maybe I didn't attack it uh, like you did because I probably wouldn't end up where I am now uh, because I was doing it kind of an old school way and therefore the pain of not being able to communicate led to building out technology. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, But I really, really dig the ideas that you're sharing here and I think super applicable across all sports, especially when it's a a skill-based kind of movement-based activity, let's say tennis or um, even certain aspects of baseball where you don't just do hitting practice. You've got certain things that maybe you're structuring. Strategy and yeah. Yeah. To maybe simulate it. Right. So I think anybody that's listening to this, that's doing more, which is mostly our audience, right. Which is movement-based and kind of technical-based coaches. 
can adopt some of these models to provide, well, not only provide, I think, a better service, but ultimately build something that's scalable and sustainable because most coaches just suffer from burnout. Well, yeah. And I think the other thing, the other problem that we have in our, when, when we're a private coach and a parent is playing us money to learn this skill or an adult yeah. is paying us to learn the skill, it automatically shifts for them to think that they're in control. Right. Whereas when you play on a college uh, baseball team or a high school football team, the coach can just rip on you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, can, he yeah. can say, you're not playing this week. That's not fair. I don't care. He can, he can make you do laps whenever. He's in control. And I think what a lot of us do is we fall into this thing of like, well, I better give them what they want. And I better, I better make sure the parents are happy. Yeah. And I don't want the kids to feel any pain. And if they don't show up, it's okay. I'll let them go. And if they show up late, they won't get any penalty for it because I want them to keep paying me. No, they'll stop paying you because of that. We, yeah. I, I did a podcast this morning with a coach about that exact reason why my company used to struggle because I was so focused on customer service and not customer satisfaction. Mm. You know, that's a big difference, right? I mean, service is basically kiss my ass. You know, when they, oh, let me feel good. I'm going to kiss your ass and make you feel happy and not piss you off. Customer satisfaction is my kid just made the varsity team high five. You're awesome. Now I had to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning every Saturday and drop him off. And he had to hit balls and he had to do this and he had to do all these things, but he earned it that's a satisfied customer rather than a customer that's not upset at you. And I think yeah. as coaches, when we're charging money, we've got to look at, it's easier to, to go down this way of service and go, Whoa, they're such wonderful people compared to, no, I make you wake up. I make you do your stats. I make you do push ups. I, I push you, I care for you enough that I'm pushing you to your goal, but I'm not going to let you off the hook. And that's what a great coach does is they create accountability. And I think I would challenge all of the listeners to think about, are you really a coach or are you an instructor who's giving information, who's got great customer service, but has taken accountability out of it because you hope the student does the work? And, you, yep. and I'm not saying I'm a genius at this, everybody. Please don't go, wow, Will's perfect, and he's also super arrogant. I'm saying every week <laughs> that we coach, we look at, for example, this week, we got it out. This is a, it's coach now, so this is a good little uh, skit right here. Everybody go into your coach now app, and go ahead and do your short game assessment, put it in, put the hashtag in and put short game assessment because I want to come back to this data and yeah. I'll see a kid and his writings all over the place. I can't even read that. Get it done properly. Put it in, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying this for coach now. I'm just saying is, is that in the past that was all on paper and it was all, mm -hmm. you know, could I find it? Shit. Okay. I got to find my folders. Now we still have some folders, but the problem is it was on my shoulders again. Now that's yeah. my time compared to, Put it in. It's not my responsibility. Fill it in. Get it done. Add it. I'll see it. I'll make a comment. It's my responsibility to comment and suggest what you should do next. And so I do think it's about taking that accountability back and realize you want to get better. It's going to take you doing stuff and me directing you, not me yeah. doing stuff for you. And I think that's a really key thing you've got to understand if you want a successful coaching business. I, I couldn't agree more. And that's why it, I had to eventually build this platform was because I, like you, put a lot of onus on the athlete. I mean, I was the guy that was having some of my senior citizen golfers actually throw up on the driving range because I was stretching them in such a way <laughs> that they didn't, it was like an exercise class. They were not prepared for it. Right. Um, I was, when I would interview a prospective student, it was always like, I'm going to direct you in the beginning, but in the end, I'm going to calibrate you. That's the whole point of this. You need to be yep. autonomous. We're going to build up a routine that allows you to have success, whether I'm there or not. Yeah. But at, at any point, if you step off that path and you're not accountable to this relationship anymore, the relationship's done. Yeah. Right. Yep. So without, without having the word service versus, sat, versus satisfaction, which I think is a great way to put it, I was expecting a lot out of the people that I worked with. And therefore uh, we got results, which was great, but we built a really strong bond and yep. the, the referrals were huge, right? I wasn't one that had to market myself beyond maybe my first five or so students because I built in coaching programs that had retention built in and I was grinding on people and they were, yeah. they were having success. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot of times they wanted to quit. And I, I think it's always interesting that if I were to do a, a coaching package, let's say of four, two hour sessions. Usually if it was the first kind of package on the third one, they would come to me and go, oh, you know, I think I'm going to stop playing golf. I think I'm going to quit. And it was always that tipping point of where it was really tough. And then we got through it. And then the fourth one, they've reached this whole new level. They never thought they could get to. 
Yeah. Because they are able to kind of push through something and take some responsibility for their development rather than expecting everything to be spoon fed to them. Yeah. Yep. And so accountability was a big deal. And that's why I needed some technology to support that so that the athletes could have what they need. Right. And I wanted to kind of ask this of you because it was definitely true for me when people would walk onto the facility. If you saw a group of people practicing a certain way, you would know that they are attached to me. Right. Yeah. So they didn't even meet each other ahead of time. And they're like, oh, you must work with Spencer because you're practicing this way. Yeah. I got to imagine that your, your athletes would probably find themselves as well. Right. Kind of self-identify. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. They've all got the pro They have purpose of practice cards that they have to go to the putting green with. They have a specific scorecard to track out on the golf course, which is all about checks and X's for the scoring method. Mm-hmm. And basically the scorecard caddies for them. It basically tells them what they can and can't do but through their own experience. And then it goes there. So when they're practicing, they're going to know most of my players are always testing. You know, there's very little drills. I think that drills are great to in, in, in get skills on board, right? So drills yep. and skills, but really what you want to do is increase pressure, increase tension, add, add that to it. One golf ball, high expectations, everything you'd have in a round of golf. Yeah. And now go and make 10 in a row from four feet on a two degree side hill slope and don't leave here till you do it. That's yeah. going to prep you more to go and play in a tournament than work on your putting stroke, grip posture, and, and do that for five hours for the next four days. Great. You've got a great putting stroke, but you can't make a putt under pressure because you never practiced a putt under pressure. And so you'll see all of our players are very, very aligned with building out their own routines, but how do they create pressure in practice? We always talk about train hard to play easy. That's kind of one of the key things behind the scoring method is yeah. – if you put a ton of pressure on yourself when you play, you're playing hard and then you practice easy and you hit 57 irons in a row. Yep. Whereas if you say, I'm going to hit 10, seven irons in a row onto that green and I won't leave here. And every time I don't do it, I'll do 20 push-ups. Hmm. That's painful. So then when you get out there and you're like, well, I've only got one ball. I've only got to hit it on the green. I mean, that's not that hard. Yeah. And the worst is I miss the green. I'll chip on on one putt because I've got a good enough short game. Now you're playing easy because you've trained hard. And so we're all about lining those two things up and then ensuring that that's how their practice becomes. So when we did the short game assessment this weekend, it's teams of three and you're all waiting for each other to hit every single shot. And so you're waiting just like in a tournament, you've got one shot at it. You hit a bad one, you complain as much as you want. It doesn't change the score. Put it on your scorecard, go to yeah. the next one. So we're trying to make it where, you know, it's great. They'll warm up or 60-yard wedge shot. First thing, seven in the morning, just wedge six feet, three feet, eight feet, 10 feet. Right, you've got five shots. We'll alternate down the line. Blade over the green, chunk, 25 feet, 40 feet, blade. <laughs> and I'm like, and they're frustrated. I'm like, no, 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 good. We're simulating what you experience on the golf course. Now let's work out what we could do. Well, I'm taking too long. I was rushing. Two, two people, completely different opposites. One speeds up, one slow down, and their results improve. So it's right. the results inside you. How do you handle pressure? How do you handle tension is what we're trying to figure out because they have the skill set of how to hit a 60-yard shot. If they were in a beginner class, it would be take the club back this far and take it through this far and it will go 60 yards. That's not what they need now. What they need now is how do I transition it from a skill to a technique that I own under pressure, which means I don't have to think about doing. So let's talk through those levels of of classes that you might be teaching because you mentioned beginner and then obviously you've got tournament players. Are you creating that kind of on-ramp to move throughout the different levels or are you just picking up more of the advanced players? But okay, so you're starting off. We start with summer camps at five years old. They can come out and it's water balloons and obstacle races and not much golf. It's just fun games to relate to golf and learning that. And then year round coaching starts off with five to eight years old and then nine to 12 and then 13 plus. So they move through, but they go through a hat system. So karate, white, yellow, orange, red, blue. They start at the hundred yards. Once they can shoot 39 or less, they move to the 150s, shoot 39 or less. They move to the, so Got they're it. always around kids, their ability, not their age. I mean, they're in an age range of five sure. to eight, right? But there's an eight-year-old who's new and a five-year-old who's been playing a bit and they're the same skill level. Um, and so we develop them through those. But in each one of those, we try and strip the game down to basics. Like, look, from a hundred yards and in, you need to have one club. It's a hybrid, you know? Because most of these kids, five or six, they can hit a hybrid 60, 70, 80 yards. Mm -hmm. You need to know how to chip with a hybrid. I don't want you to even get the ball in the air. Why? Like, why increase difficulty Mm. when you could just put along the ground with a hybrid? And then you need to know how to lag putt. If you do that, you make fours on every hole. 
you know, and obviously we'll teach them how to bunker, but we're telling them just avoid the bunker. I mean, yeah, it's don't not go a good place yeah. to go. Yeah. If the bunker's on the left, aim 40 yards right. So then as they progress through, it's like, well, now you need to know bunkers. Now you need to know chipping. Well, now you need to know pitching. Now you need to know lob. Now, so we're always trying to, what are the minimal amount of skill sets you need to know to accomplish the goal? Because that's, that's what success in business, in life, in money, in everything is, is how little do you have to do to be successful? Then if you pile more on, you'll be super successful rather than how many things do you have to do? Then you just become overwhelmed and overloaded and you don't actually get better because you're trying to practice things you don't need. You just don't need to know those things. You don't need to hit a driver until you, until you're, you know, playing a full length golf course of more than let's say 6,300 yards. You don't need a driver, hit a three wood. If you can hit it 210, 220, you'll be in fine. Yeah. If you can hit your driver dead straight, hit your driver, but most kids can't hit their driver dead straight. So don't hit it until you need it. Well, I think what I'm hearing here is something that not a lot of people are doing, but I've always kind of preached myself, right? Is creating this developmental model that keeps people engaged with your brand, right? So it'd be something similar to uh, a more traditional soccer model where in other countries, not the U.S. as much, although the U.S. is picking it up, um, where there's the youth academies and they all funnel all the way up to the professional squad, right? So you're in the pipeline for a long time. So you've created a system where people are within the Will Robbins pipeline for a long, long time, right? They're customers of yours at many different levels. Uh, yeah, I, I would say though that our, our biggest thing though, I think why, we're, why we are a success is because we're not really focused on the golf as much as we are the person. And I think that's okay. genuinely, genuinely what we talk about is for any coach that's on the call right now, whatever you're doing, golf or tennis or whatever, is it just, if you think you teach your sport, then you probably aren't going to be very successful. Hmm. Yep. You teach people and you teach them a game called golf or tennis or cricket, whatever it is, right? But the minute you take the person out of it, you're saying this is how it should be done compared to how does this junior learn compared to this junior? Yep. Why does he run around so much? Why does she listen so much? My two kids, yep. they're just so different, right? How am I going to connect with that person? Most importantly with juniors, how am I going to connect with that parent? How am I going to make sure that parent knows that they're being heard? They understand the path. They understand that we care. They understand that their kid is safe. They understand the kid's having fun. If we do that, the kid will stay. I can have the best technology in the world and the best system, but if, yep. they, if they don't feel like their kid's having fun or safe or getting good value, they're gone. You know. And so there's so much competition out there in the world today, and most people are going with, technology and certifications and right. bells and whistles compared to I genuinely walked up to you and shook your hand and introduced myself and met your child and welcomed you down and answered your questions and followed up with an email the next day and did what you should do because you care about that person because that's how they will stay. And our focus is number one is instilling a love of the game. That's our number mm-hmm. one focus. And in doing that, we make champions in golf and life. Those are our two slogans. And okay. the thing is, is that, the more we focus on, listen, you've got to show up on time and here's why. The real core values, right? Why they're important. The easier the kid makes, it's so easy to practice that kid who now shows up on time, who's been held accountable, who yep. listens because we found their passion. Compared to try and shove them in and, you know, come on, come on and rah, rah. It's like, no, it's about accountability and discipline and, and developing that kid. To, you know, I want a college scholarship, but you don't put your stats in. Well, good luck on that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and telling exactly the parent, right. mm-hmm. you're spending $500 a month and you're not doing the stats. I'm genuinely not going to take your money because it's bad for me and for you. We've got all the tools. We've either got to change the goal or we've got to change the program. Maybe we just yeah. drop down into the fun program where you just come out and play on a Saturday morning at 10 and, and hit chips and putts and, and develop with kids that don't want to go to college. But something's misaligned and you've got to be willing to do that because that's genuinely... That's your brand. That's that's the reputations on the line is your brand, not their golf game. Whether they get yeah. the result or not, you know, that's up to them. But it's up to before, prior to that, it's up to me. I'm gonna make sure that like they either get it or they don't because we say this isn't a good fit. And that's I think where I would really push people to look at your teaching people, you're coaching people, and then your tool is tennis, right? And your system is is baseball. Right. But the fact is that's still, that's still a person that needs to be heard and needs to be inspired and motivated. And the best coaches really get that. And that's more of the business skills. I think the personal skills, the rapport skills that you need to be a good coach. Cause I know lots of coaches have great technology, great yep. certificates. And personally, they suck at getting people better at their game and they suck yep. at making people feel good about themselves. Cause that's yep. our role. 
you want to feel good about yourself playing the game of golf. Not, I just want to play game, better golf. I want to feel good. Because that's, that's why you go and take a lesson is, right, not just to hit the ball straighter. It's to hit it straighter so I don't feel like an ass in front of my friends on the weekend, <laughs> right? So it's an emotion that you're really trying to get them is a feeling and a result. And if, and if we're focused on the swing or we're focused on a technique, you've taken the human being out of it and you're always going to struggle. Spencer here with a quick note. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe. That way you don't miss out on any future episodes. And also we'd love to connect with you in different ways. So give us a follow on social media at Coach Now App. That way we can connect with you over there and uh, you can get further insight to a lot of coaching best practices uh, from not only us, but all the coaches and teachers and trainers that we work with. So with that, thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, that... that nugget right there that that's worth this whole conversation right there because I, I can't tell you how many times we've preached something similar or had interviews just like this where top coaches just like yourself are, are saying very similar things uh it's imperative and i think in the long run too it's it's really really key that you level set the expectations for everybody um such as hey if you're not going to do stats or hey you're not going to post something inside of coach now right um then you clearly don't really care about this and that's okay, but you're probably not the right fit for me um, as a coach, right? So let, let's talk a little bit about the onboarding process for a new junior, right? You're, you've got a parent that has just heard of you, but they don't know all the ins and outs. Maybe they just moved to the area, so you're relatively new in their world. How are you going about onboarding a new student and kind of working through the parents and talking about the, um, the opportunity, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, it's mostly word of mouth. People just come to us because they've heard of what we do. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're sold out in all of our programs. It's one of our focuses to make sure that we are sold out because we want people to realize, like, if you can't make a session, yep, then you don't make a session, you miss, you lose. You know what I mean? So we're, we're not here to, we're here to give you an experience beyond what you could expect. And so really the onboarding is just, is, is really, they sign up online. They'll usually reach out to us as coaches and we, we give okay. them a call back and it's really just questions. It's just, you know, how old's your son and how much has he played golf and what else does he like and where do you guys live and why do you want to get him into golf? We want to, we want to understand why. So within about yeah. 10 minutes of talking, we've had about probably 45 seconds of us asking questions and nine minutes and 15 seconds of them sharing their passion of, my kid really struggles at school with all the other sports and he's struggling here. And we really feel like he'd be a good fit in golf. And what we think okay. that's a great fit. We're, we're super excited. Let's have him come and trial a session. We have all of our students trial a session okay. um, because now some people will just sign up online because they know they want to be with us. So they've been with yeah. us before, but we will say try, this is not for the advanced players because they'll actually come out and do a full playing assessment and stuff, but just okay. trial a session and just see, um, because we just want to get to know, like, do you like us? Do you, did you like the experience? Did you, did your kid actually even enjoy it? You know, like, cause they may like, I don't want to do golf, you know, and we don't want you to be there if you don't want to do golf because yeah. you have to have some interest because I'm not going to pour all my energy into one student out of the 12 that we have or eight, 16 that we have that yep. day. We want you to have fun and we're going to play games and we're going to have lots of prizes and stuff to make you inspired. And then as you develop the, obviously the, the prizes become, self-worth like yes i did it rather than here's a gold golf ball yep. so um we've had a lot of just good experience with just referrals you know just with everybody saying you know go they care about you you know they're going to teach your kids life life values core core values first tee stuff you know um shouldn't really say first tee stuff i should really yeah. say the the nine core values and, sure. and, and and the life skills that they have there and so so that's how we onboard them compared to an adult who says, Hey, I want to get better. And we say, great, come and play nine holes with us. You know, and the okay. beauty for us is it's the same price as a private lesson. So you can do a one hour lesson with somebody else, not us because we don't do them. Or you can come play nine holes with us for two and a half hours, get to know us, play golf, draw up a plan. And at the end of that plan, let's see if we should take you on or whether you should go somewhere else. And at the end of it, our closing rates are pretty darn high because we've heard their problems. We've watched them play. Uh, we've put them into a team and they've played golf with me or one of my coaches and they've started to see how different we are. And then we tell them, we can guarantee you this, you know, if you show up this many times in this many weeks, we'll take you from 93 down to 83. And if not, we'll teach you for free till you get there. You'll never get your money back because I need you to be bought in. You have to be bought in. But the fact is I'll, if I don't get you there, it's my, if you've shown up, you've done the work and you don't get there. It's my fault as a coach. So 
let's keep going. And very, very rarely do we have to uh, coach, for we have to coach for free. And when we do, it's the best marketing. It's the best marketing ever. Because sure. people are like, oh my God, they gave me three free lessons and I just shot 79 and they bring five people with them because they realize this guy's not selling his time. He's selling me a result. And so people are willing to to follow and fit my schedule. I have a very busy travel schedule and family schedule. So it's not like, hey, well, I'd like a lesson on a Tuesday and 3.30. It's right now I'll be calling my coaches saying, hey, on October the 21st, on Wednesday that morning, I have, I have a morning free. Do you want to come out for a playing lesson? That's literally yeah. probably the next time I'm free to teach adults. And they'll be like, great, I'll change my schedule. I look forward to seeing you there. So yep. to me, it's because you know they know what they're going to get um, and they know that I'm genuinely interested and committed to getting to them to their goal. So let, let's make sure that we have some clarity here because I, I might not even be seeing it exactly right. <clears throat> so I'm very clear that you're putting people into programming. Um, they have an assessment with you and then you're, you're building a program for them. My understanding though is that that's still within a group scenario. You're not necessarily circling back with them on a one-on-one -on -one level, right? Yeah, I don't do any, I don't do any okay. private. Uh, yeah. If I do private, it's for free. It's usually, you know, at the end of a lesson, I'm like, you know what? You just need five minutes. Go down there, put it on video. Be like, look, you, you, you're okay. doing what you've been doing. And, oh, okay, thanks, coach. And see you later. And I'm like, that's just, you know, that's part of getting to our goal. You know, maybe yeah. 20 minutes, but I'm not going to charge you for it because we, we had a commitment to a goal. And so if you need some help, great. But I don't think you do because usually it's tension. It's not technique. And if it was technique, I've already caught it very quickly. You know? Yeah. So I think, uh, I think people are misdiagnosed. They say it's attention. They say it's a technique problem when I say it's attention problem, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And so let, let's, let's dive into the coaching of coaches. But before we actually take that subject uh, on its face, let's look at how you brought on coaches to work with you, right? So you've developed this model. Yep. You as will, but then in order to build scalability, sustainability, a decent life for yourself, you're going to have to build some redundancy into your life. You're going to need other people that can do this. Yeah. yeah. How did you go about hiring people, training people, and maybe how has that evolved as you've been doing it? Yeah. So it started with, um, Corey was my, my first coach. I think, uh, he was a really good player. He was uh, working on his games, trying to play mini tour stuff. And I just said he believed in the system because I was coaching him in the adult coaching program and uh, he came on board. And then from there, I'm a PGA member. So I started to bring on interns and then I've just always looked for really good players. And from, Sacramento State is our local university. So I get a lot of the coaches from, you know, players from there to come and coach for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then just bit by bit, I've just grown and, you know, we went from one location to two to three and really just developed a great team around us with Jared runs all of our locations and Ryan. And we got just a phenomenal team of coaches who, you know, who were just, just avidly out there doing what they love for a living and, and playing golf a lot and getting paid. And it's good. Yeah. And I think the playing golf a lot is such a different, uh, story than most of us that are in the golf business. And if you're focusing on the results that you've described so far, you're going to get a lot of time on the golf course, which is good for everybody. That's, that's why we're here not to just stand on the range all day. Absolutely. When we help, yeah. we help people build out their facility, whether it's in golf or other sports, you know, it's what's your business going to look like? What's the model? And one of our thing is a culture document. What's your culture? There's a good book, um, creating happiness, Tony Shea, who was the mm -hmm. Zappos. And he just talked about, you know, what's your company culture? And one of ours is we're coaches, we are players and we are coaches. And so um, we still play and we still go out there and compete. And so, you know, Ryan will be out there. I think he's playing in a program today, actually. Um, and he's playing NCPGA stuff. I want them. And I just played in a tournament the other week and I want to feel that anxiety and those nerves and those fears yeah. and frustrations and play badly for three holes and great for six holes. And because when I come and talk to my students, I'm not just standing there going like, well, what you need to do is I go, God, I know I was absolutely bricking it when I was on the first tee the other week because yeah. I haven't played in a tournament in ages. And so I went through my routine and I played phenomenal and here's my stats and it keeps me connected to my players. Plus I play this game because I love it. And so many pros I talk to that, Oh, I don't really play anymore. I'm just too busy. And I'm like, you yeah, passion. And so, our big thing that we we transition what, what happened is is one of my best friends uh, who i think you know you know gene buckham uh, i think you know mm -hmm. uh, from slow originally from morrow bay mm -hmm. um his business was just tanking his daughter had had some surgeries that she had to go through and so he was struggling and i said look just copy what i do and i'm going to show you how to go from working every day of the week to one day a week and he did it and he went from 17 grand to 57,000 in one year working six days down to one day just to say yeah. everybody in the coaching team and what I realized was 
I love my team. I love my employees. But if I wanted to impact golf and if I wanted to impact the industry and my mission when I wrote it down was revolutionize golf instruction worldwide. And, and to do that, you've got to obviously bring guaranteed results to players and more productivity, money and time to golf pros. Yep. Um, that's where I realized, my God, I had a lot more fun with Gene than I did building out my other locations. And so that's kind of how RGX started was it was just purely another friend from NorCal said, Hey, Will, can you help me? Did it? Boom. His company went like crazy. And then it was another, another, another. And it just triggered from there that, you know, start speaking at events around the country and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then it was coaches in Europe and then it was coaches in South Africa and Australia and New Zealand. And so now like you, you know, hundred coaches all over the world that we yeah. just, where are you at? Where do you need to get to and let us help you develop? Right. And so let's take you, you know, what do you need right now? And, and a lot of them, it's, I need to learn how to sell. I need to learn how to fill my lesson book. I'm broke. I've got mm. all the technology. I've got all the stuff, but I have, I charge a hundred dollars an hour, which to me means you make $200,000 a year. Cause there's 2000 work hours in a year, but they're like, <laughs> you know, I make, 30, no, actually I don't. I make $13,000 a year. So you actually yeah. make $7 an hour is what you make. Not yeah. Harsh, but that's not a skill problem to do with coaching. That's a skill problem to do with, do you know how to ask questions? Do you know how to prospect? Do you know how to build relationships and not feel like a salesperson? Do you know how to listen? What questions should you ask and shouldn't ask? How do you close? Oh God, people go, I don't want to close. I don't want to feel like a salesperson. I'm never closing. I'm just asking people. So it sounds like you don't make enough money. You want to make more money and you struggle with sales skills. And I have a proven system that helps you do that. They don't go, I feel like you're being, they're like, Will, get me in. Let's do this. Yeah. I genuinely, if you're not willing to come on board like a student and go, yeah, I need this, then you're not a good fit. And yeah. so to me, it's helping them to realize, hey, I, I, don't have, I don't have those skills. How do I get them? Uh, another one we see so often, and I know you've seen this, is why you built Coach Now, Edify, as I continue to call it to all my coaches. Yeah, sure. show, is, um, Will, I'm killing it, but I'm burnt out and I never see my family. Like I'm making $100,000 a year, but I work six and a half days a week Yep. Now, juniors, oh, that means you work from four in the afternoon till eight at night. So you don't see your kids or your parent or your, or your spouse. Yep. You work weekends, so you don't see your kids' games. So you're meant to be having this dream job of I'm a golf professional and I should love it. And you're freaking miserable and burnt out. And 100%. to me, it's like, okay, well, how do we go ahead and multiply your time by six by getting him into teams of six? And how do we go ahead and get him working around your schedule? So how do I transition you into a coaching model so that you buy, you get time back and the beauty is increase your income. Yeah. So, so there are these skill sets that are just completely being missed. But if we talked about how do you use yardage data or whatever technology, there are all these courses out there on it. But when it, when it comes to yep. how do I build a good environment in coaching? Like how do I, how do I teach six people at a time and not make them feel like they're in a clinic? That's not yep. You know, I mean, Henry's doing, you know, Henry Brunton and Rick Jensen and stuff. Yep. They do a great job. Um, I mean, can you think of anybody else out there that's really focusing on this? I don't, I, I mean. Well, you know, in the world of golf, there's one guy that always stands out to me <clears throat> as far as building a, a program that seems to work for him, not only because the athletes are improving, but because it generates a good amount of income for him. And that'd be John Perna. Yeah, yeah John, yeah, absolutely. John's John does a really good job. But, but I'm, I'm saying is, Who's out there showing, who's out there teaching golf professionals oh, sure. skills that they yeah, actually need? Oh, I know lots of, like, Sean Humphreys is killing it. Sean, Sean was my college golf coach. He's been doing Yeah, Sean's it. a good dude. Yeah, I know yeah. Sean really well. But yeah. I'm saying is, it's like, we need the message for coaches in golf and in other sports who say, yes. how do you make money doing this? How do you actually have a life? You know what I mean? How do you actually balance this so you're a success? Because success on our ladder is work your ass off be booked out two weeks in advance, maybe even two months in advance if you're really good, charge a high rate and have no family life and no downtime right. unless you take time off, which means you don't make any money. So you don't want to take that. It's a, it's a vicious cycle. And I think we've got to start like you're doing this podcast is take a look back and go, okay, well, what would work better than this? You know, how, how could yeah. we look at it that people say, but golf is so difficult. Look, I disagree. Gymnastics is difficult. When I see a kid do a backflip, on a little beam, that's difficult. Hitting a driver, it can go OB, it doesn't really matter. Falling off of that, you could be in hospital. Yeah. And they're in teams, they're in warehouses of 200,000 square, 100,000 square foot warehouse with you know, 50 teams, with 60 yeah. coaches, with 12 kids doing, and you're just like, oh my God. And they're all learning the building blocks to become Olympic, possibly the goal of becoming an Olympic athlete. Yeah. And I'm like, now there's a model. 
So how do we simplify it down and start to get our interns, our assistants, our college players, our high school, to help out in the environment of learning so that you can have station learning where kids are competing and learning from the games so that you can get the results you want at a lower cost for the consumer. So it's cheaper to be in a coaching program than private. Yep. You get better results. And so it really is a shift in the mindset. Uh, and guys like John and uh, John Perner and uh, Sean Humphreys, I mean, there's just now there's tens of them all over the country that, are, you know, I would love to say hundreds, maybe not quite hundreds yet, but it's moving in that direction. But that's that's where the tipping point hasn't yet reached. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest issues with golf in the the growth or lack thereof, right? So there's the obvious one that everyone talks about just takes so dang long to play and it's not necessarily getting better. Um, But how can we make it more team oriented to compete with the other sports that are likely more fun to go practice, right? When you're in more of that environment. So how do you create an environment that builds community, builds that tribe to where even if you're not necessarily getting onto the golf course for five or six hours, you can still have a great time uh, within the practice facility and within the, yeah. the parameters that you've set. Yep. Yeah. So nice. Building that love of the game, even if it's not necessarily getting to play, you know, 36 or 72 holes a week or something, which yep. most people don't have time for anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let, let's talk about uh, more about RGX because I find it fascinating. And, and obviously we're doing this podcast and a lot of other things to focus on the business of coaching. And we're, we're talking about it across all these different sports. So it becomes a little bit tricky when you're talking golf all the way to um, physical therapy or something like that. But there is similar, similarities when you're talking about the business, how to establish um, that side of things. So let, let's maybe talk about some of the things within your system that you feel that you, maybe you haven't addressed yet that would be applicable to these other sports or these other verticals that um, professionals like a physical therapist, a fitness trainer, tennis coach, whatever could maybe yeah. adopt. Yeah, absolutely. I, I work with a, a goal, uh, sorry, a baseball coach called Rick Strickland. And he yeah, was, we know Rick. Yeah. Yep. So he's got your stuff. So uh-huh. and it, for him, it was all about, look, I, how do I systematize it and put, you know, a batting, batting cage with whatever technology video on this one, whatever technology, how do I onboard parents? How do I get the coaches involved? So it's really for the independent contractor out there, how do you build a good team around you? Yeah. Um, now, the way you have to look at team nowadays is not the way it used to be looked at. So coach now could be part of your team. Sure. Like, yeah, technology. Yep. Yeah, but that's, that doesn't need to be a human being. You could have a virtual assistant who, does, um, who just does five hours a week for you, who makes sure that there's admin there. You could go ahead and have a, a mentor, who a business mentor, who helps you with this. You've got a bookkeeper. The key thing is, is that what are you really good at and how much time do you spend doing it? And here's what I find for independent contractors. And the reason why I know this is because I sucked at it. And because this is when you start a business, guess what? You're the janitor, even if you don't have a toilet, you're the marketer, you're the advertiser, you're the admin. It's yep. time to go, look, I am at my best when I'm on podcasts, on video and presenting presenting workshops and coaching. That's when I'm my best. Well, how much time are you doing? Well, I don't have enough time because I'm sending emails. How do you go ahead and get away from that? A great book to read would be uh, Tim Ferriss, Four Hour Work Week. Like, how do you just stop doing the things you shouldn't be doing because you are costing yourself money? If I can pay someone $10 an hour, $15 or $20 an hour to do something while I could be making 100 that's a good investment. And so (laughs) to to me, I would say to you, you know, write down what do you do best? What, What do you get paid for? And for many of you, for example, it's like, for, te- for teaching, for doing physical therapy. So how do you do more of that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I need more clients. Okay, so what's holding you back from having clients? I'll guarantee you it's not a good website. And you go, well, website, gotta have a good website. I guarantee you it's not good social media. And now this is what the industry is going to tell you. But if someone's gonna work on my body and make me get better, I don't give two hoots what website you have. I'm not gonna go on a website and go, wow, look, I really feel that. I'm gonna see that someone tells me, I had insane back pain. You know this, Will. I haven't been able to play golf for three months, and I just yeah. went and saw this physical therapist, and freaking look at me, man. I'm ready. I'm, I'm like, what's his number? Where, 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 how do I get in contact with him? Boom, yeah. boom, boom. And, and that's how you build referrals is by getting people something to talk about. So if you're not getting great results, don't go and try and fake it with a website. Get better results. Go and get what do you need? What tools do you need to get these people blown away 
But things like Coach Now, when I sh- and again, I'm not trying to sell it because you're already on a Coach Now freaking podcast. I'm saying <laughs> if, when the parent looks and goes, oh my God, here are all of her stats and here's what she did and this is what you did this week and here's the, oh my God, this is, um, this is amazing value. I've got it forever. Oh, so you can see why we're this price per month, correct? Oh yeah, totally. This is awesome. My other coach shouldn't have this, Ta-da, right? There's part of my team. Wow, somebody got back to me right away. Yeah, that's my assistant who I have. Thank you. These are the things that can make you better at what you do, but it's going to come down to, are you getting results? You know, that's where I would really focus, master your skill, whether it's teaching someone how to baseball, a cricket ball, a basketball, basketball, we didn't hit basketballs, but you throw them, a golf ball. (laughs) You have to be really good at that. You have to be. And if you're like, well, I'm not really good at that, Will. I'm more good at the mental side of it. Then market yourself as the mental guy who solves these specific problems. I see everybody trying to be jack of all trades. I teach juniors and tour players. I teach um, beginners and plus five handicaps. No, you don't. You, You just try and give them some stuff. You've got to find something that you're very good at let's just say your ability is short game and, and really be like, look, my belief is short game. I teach the rest of the game, but where everything is on the course learning short game. Yeah. Mine is club fitting. Embrace it. You can still have your outliers, the things that you do and the team, the sports psychologist over here and the physical therapist that helps yeah. you. And I even have swing instructors. Like, I mean, I have my guys who teach swing, but if someone says to me, Will, we really want to do some one-on-one work. I go, great. Go and see Tim Berg. He's awesome. I love Tim. He does great for for girls 13 to 20 who really want to work on developing a nice swing, he's a great person to go to. Mm. Well, I want someone who's really on it, doesn't matter about my swing, but wants to push me really hard. Noah Montgomery, go and see him. I'm not afraid because I'm like, what I want for you is success. That's what I want. And if I don't think I can give it to you because you want a one-hour model one-on-one over and over again, I'm going to figure out the right person for you. You want to be inspired and motivated and like really feel good. Morgan Malone, he's right here at the club. Go and see him. Like I'm not going to hold you back from your success because I'm too afraid to share what I see of who I see being good, club fitting and things like that. And so I think that's the growth mindset a coach has to have because you become very confident in what you can and can't do. And when you're outside your realm, hand it away. When you're in your realm, hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't speak enough about that particular point because it comes up in every conversation I have, whether it be a recorded conversation like this or maybe we're doing some consultation for a group. Um, and it's always develop your niche, figure out what that is, own it, and then don't be afraid to collaborate around it if needed, right? Because that just builds the team even stronger. You end up sharing clients with those respective people, whether it be a mental or fitness trainer or even, yeah. to your point, a specialist even within the game of golf that's short game, club fitting, et cetera. If you build this holistic approach, then everyone's going to be happy. Um, They view you as the expert because you referred them to somebody else. So they're going to still think fondly of you and they're still going to be in your, in your network, so to speak. And they're going to come back to you for something else, or they're going to refer someone to you uh, that fits your model better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, And I I think most coaches don't necessarily have, I shouldn't say most uh, because I do think it's evolving, but for a long time, let's just say coaches have had this, uh, ego mindset in a way and, and that's not right the right way to put it but everything you're my like student you're my student yeah i'm gonna hold on to you right yeah, you're mine and, and if someone else is on the range helping you or you go and see another yeah. swing coach i'm gonna be pissed and it's like that is craziness i i understand but that's coming from fear and that's not coming with the you're, you're teaching people and the, the goal of that person is more important than your ego or your yeah. reputation in terms of like you know i taught this player hey if if someone needs to go and see you know, who, who did I just say? I sent one of my guys to go and see um, uh, Dave Stockton. He was like, yeah. I'm just not putting good. I'm not putting good. I'm like, right, well, let's go and get one of the best putting coaches in the world to tell you that you've got a good stroke. He came back. Yeah, he said, I got a great stroke. He got a good, <laughs> but I don't like that. I have to, like, I don't like his routine about aiming in front of the ball, but it gave him a ton of confidence to yeah. realize. And it's kind of what he needed. He just needed a pep talk from somebody beyond me. Yeah. That worked out great. And he learned a ton from it, you know? And so to me, it's, yeah, are you really caring about your student? Because if you do in the long term, you're going to have great success. If you're caring about you in the, in what your money coming in, it's short minding. You're going to get found out if you know what I'm saying. It's not going to work. Absolutely. And I think a lot of coaches, well, nowadays, I think, especially uh, with the advent of either our technology or something else, however you can do it, a lot of people are, aren't willing to share or even aren't willing to loop in parents because they don't have a clear way to have transparency. Mm-hmm. 
right? So when we work with large academies where there might be 300 plus a coach, 300 coaches, thousands of kids that go through the doors, right? A big complaint is how do we manage the parents? Mm -hmm. And typically they're doing a really poor job of it because the parents don't even know what their son or daughter are doing and they're spending all this money. Yeah. Like the reason the parents are on your back is because you have zero transparency. Like they, yep. they don't know what's going on and they can't ask you yep. a very simple question or just give you a high five for a job well done because you're not communicating with them at any level. Completely. Um, so let's, let's maybe talk about that and then we can wrap up a little bit because this conversation has gone by really quick, but parents are a big part of your business from what you've said, it feels like they're looped in and they're a part of the team, but maybe you can talk about the specifics and how you do that. And maybe some of the objectives that you've helped other coaches that you're coaching get through, right? Cause I'm sure you've heard the whole parent problem from these other coaches. Yeah. You're we, we, we take everybody through a process of parent and junior expectations. So we have every parent read through it and understand you don't stay for class. Your kids are here to learn with other kids and professional coaches you show up before class five minutes minimum, they're dressed and they appropriately have the, what they need. Um, you know, if they show up late, they need to go here. Here are the rules we expect juniors to abide by. Here are the rules we expect parents to abide by. And if, and we take them through this learning process that if, if we don't, Hey, let's, your child was, you know, misbehaving in class today, next class, we'd like you to stay. Okay. Now they have to stay for a whole class. <laughs> they're going to be like, Johnny, don't be doing that again. Yeah. And if Johnny does it a second time, it's like, look, for the good of the kids, you know, it's, it's not going to work and be willing to own your coaching facility in your space. And so yeah. we don't have to do it very often because we lay down the groundwork. Now, as it comes into the adults, uh, sorry, as I should say, as juniors become adults, because they're now, I think, 14, 15, they're driving a car, they're away from mom and dad. They're pretty much an adult. I know that's 18 and can't vote, but the fact yeah. is, is that you need to treat them like adults if they want to go and play college golf, they need to be yeah. accountable. They need to be disciplined. They need to be organized. And so that's where a lot of times parents would be like in front of their kids. Oh, you'll never believe it. You know, he went out there and he did this, this, and this, and then he missed seven, uh, three yeah, putts. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's super good. We never talk in front of the kids about that. We'll go straight to the parent and just say, Hey, listen, there's just no talk like that because that doesn't help. You know, I know you love your daughter. I know that you love your son, but that's not how it works. And so we basically put a barrier between them to start with, because that'll often be how people come in. So we set standards and we set respect each way, um, because then the kid starts to you know, kick off and you know, uh, cry or throw clubs. And it's like, well, it's, you've each got to get responsible. And then what we do is we teach you what we call a triangle. And so what happens is that the coach tells the student and coaches the student, and then the student goes in the tournament. And instead of going back to the coach and saying, hey, by the way, coach, they don't have a relationship yet. So they go to the parent and go, I hit it like crap and my driver sucks and I don't feel like I'm getting better. And then the parent calls me and says, well, you know, he didn't really do well today. That's fabulous. But Johnny's 14, 15, 16, and he needs to pick up the phone and call me. So I want you now to go back to him, have a chat with him because what needs to happen is the conversation goes this way and we're getting input this way. So the parent's mm -hmm. giving us input but we don't need it to go around a triangle. I'm not going to hear yes. everything through the parent. I need to hear it through the student. And that takes months. That takes a lot of time and patience yep. and respect and care to build that relationship till they realize, Hey, if that, if your kid's not signing up for the tournaments themselves and you're building their tournament calendar, how do you think that's going to work when they get to college as a freshman, have to pick their classes, also travel, work out, yeah. balance school, balance life, alcohol that could be at school, drugs, cigarettes, all the things that they could find out about that they have basically been hidden from. Yeah. That's not going to work, you know? And so I'm not going out there and telling them about drugs in a lesson, but I'm telling them, Hey, what's happening on the weekend? How are things? Oh, we were out partying. Okay, good. How do you think that would work if you had a division one coach find out that you, you know, you failed a drug test or something like this? Well, it wouldn't work too good. Well, you can make a decision on that then. And the older they get and the more they go into college, the more we're going to have those conversations because somebody's got to have them with them because it's yeah. very hard for a parent. I'm not saying you should be a better parent and have that conversation. They don't listen to you. They'll listen to me because I can put it in a point of view like, hey, I messed up. I did that in college. I got kicked off the golf team. Or, hey, I struggled here and this is what happened. And so I think that's got to happen slowly over time through their freshman year, sophomore year. So by the time they're a junior, we're in communication. Then every 12 weeks with a parent, we have a sit-down meeting. We talk to the parents. We have a team chat. How it's, how's it going? And the parents will still reach out to us and check in with us how things are going. We're fine to talk to them, but it's just a chat between two people. It's not... I'm relaying information to you because that's just not helpful. 
No, and, and, and equally when you're collaborating with other professionals, if you put the athlete in the middle to communicate to them, that's always going to be a disaster as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I really dig how you've, you've created some structure and some understanding for the parents to operate in and the kids to have success. Um, so I think we've covered a ton. So I think the, the main thing, and we could have another conversation down the road and I definitely want to get, love to I, I definitely want to get more information from you that we can maybe distill to the, to our crowd, either via mm -hmm. blogs or something like that. Um, but let, let's end on two notes here. Uh, one being, what would you have liked to hear? Like imagine yourself back in your early days, what would you have liked to known then that you know now, right? What kind of advice would you have given to your younger self um, to maybe, I don't know, accelerate where you got or anything that you might want to know about? Um, it's something I always told myself. So I don't, it's more of to, to the coaches that are listening, you are going to get paid for your failures. You're not going to get paid for your successes. And what I mean by that is when you fail in a certain way and you learn this new skill set and you realize, Oh my God, this struggle, this is how I deal with it now. That's why people come. Cause they're like, Oh my God, he's, he can deal with this. You know, when you have a parent who's super pissed at you and gets super upset and says harsh things and you take it and you learn how to build a relationship and, and make it more ethically correct, that's what's going to pay you down the road. Every coach that I've had who's struggled, who's now got great business. When people come to me at RGX, I know I can charge what I charge because I know I have the results. So I, but why? Because I screwed it up because I failed. Yeah. I learned from something. So don't take the failures as anything bad. They're just feet. It's just like in golf. You hit it left. Oh, well, okay. All right. Find it, hit it again. So I would say, look at never as failure, but as feedback and you get paid on the amount of feedback, i.e. failure that you have. I'm not saying try and go out and fail, but sure. learn from all these struggles because that's how you become a world-class coach. That's my experience. Yeah. And it's fun. It's not funny you say that, but it's, it brings up kind of a unique thing for me is that my son's now in kindergarten. And I think his school has done a fantastic job of anchoring in, in this belief that when you make a mistake, your brain grows. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So they talk about how many failures they had at school and how big their brain is. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just yeah, a very compared to the kid who, but for, for a coach who's struggling with this, who says, well, that makes no sense. Okay. The kid who shows up, listens, does everything you tell him, practices every single day and is just the perfect student. I have several of them. Sure, and they, we all do. Yeah. And they go from shooting, for example, I had one girl who went from shooting 107 to in her, with a year of working with us, shot three under par for nine holes, went out and shot in the 17s, got a full scholarship. Hmm. I did learn some from her, but I'm learning more from the kid that's like, I don't want to practice. Oh, I forgot to fill out my worksheet. Oh, I don't know how to get on to coach now. I've got to develop me more than the one that just follows it and go, Oh my God, I just love 24 of you rather than the 23 others. But that's not how it works. You, you know, you, you do learn things from that student, but it's really, you just, you had somebody that could embrace it and take it on and do it. And so how much did you develop? Not very much. How much success did they get? Lots. So it's kind of one of those catch 22s that you, you think it's a great thing, but actually you'll learn more from the failures. A hundred percent. Yeah. And if you read, any of the skill acquisition, skill development, learning books that are out there. I mean, there's so many of them. They talk ex exactly about that. Don't play the song on the piano that you know really well over and over again. Stumble yeah. through or clunk through some a new song, right? And you're going to yeah, learn a absolutely. lot more. Um, so as we wrap up here, Will, let, let's try to recap it a little bit, but more so let's, let's make sure we uh, people understand where they can connect with you. Um, whether it be social media, your website, or anything that they want to learn more about yeah, kind of the business of coaching, especially. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the business of coaching is this, is that you're probably pretty darn good at your skill set. Because you might be like, well, he's a golf pro. How can I help him? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a physical therapist. The skill sets that we miss out on are how do we make money doing this and how do we get life balance? Yep. So if you're struggling with either of those two, I'd suggest you give us a call. Check us out. It's robinsgx, R-O-B-I-N-S-G-X.com. Um, and basically what we do is we just, we're there to listen to what you're struggling with and then basically call you on your BS because what we start to see is as a coach, well, you're flying up against this window, but that door's open and I need to take you through that door because that technology isn't going to help you. It's just going to put you more in debt or, you know, going and spending all this money on a new website or what it's, it's not the problem. It's this. And so if you don't want to hear the truth and if you don't want to be held accountable, <laughs> definitely don't pick up the phone and talk. Yeah, to don't me. call you. Good. Don't Good call me. Yep. You wouldn't want a statement. 
This is what we want. The way we get good results is just being yeah. genuine with people and sort of telling them, look, this is what you really need. Go ahead and implement it. And again, with all of our programs, it's just, it sounds cheesy, but it's guaranteed results. You don't get the result that you sign up for. We'll coach you for free till you get there. So it's on our shoulders. We're your coach, right? We become your business coach. We become your sales trainer. We, because if you don't succeed, I know you're leaving and my reputation goes downhill. So yeah. there's the accountability of a coach. And many of us say we're a coach because I teach the game indoors and outdoors and mental. And that's just a holistic view on learning. A coach is somebody who's accountable that knows if they don't do good, they get fired. That's what happens in the NFL and the NBA. You don't good, you're fired. Yeah. And so the idea is you're basing yourself on your results, not on your certifications or your technology. It's if I can't get you the result, then I shouldn't be doing what I do. So if, if anybody's interesting, you know, they need to, they just need more money. They need more life balance. Or if you're a golf pro and you're like, I need to learn how to guarantee results to my players. That's what we focus on. And that's what we do. We love sharing our passion. And we've got a wonderful community of coaches all over the world who you'll learn from. It's not just me. It's all these coaches who are telling you, I just did it. I just learned this. I just implemented this and it worked at my club. Here's how you should do it. And so you feed off of each other. And the next thing you know, guess what? It's a coaching program for coaches. It's exactly what I do with golf students. I just do it with, just do it with golf pros, right? And so uh, it's a lot of fun. And um, again, we use Coach Now with all of our mentors. So I'll just give you this. When you are sending questions, we answer them through Coach Now. So you have it on hey. a daily basis. Hey, here's what we need. Oh, my goodness. So you've got access to our team of mentors yeah. to tell you, hey, I'm struggling with this. Or a parent said this. Boom, boom, boom you're getting the insights and the feedback you need from the community and that's how we work. So yeah, it's great stuff, man. Thank you so much, Will. And I know yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot more here to unpack, but I, I really would encourage everyone to connect with Will. I've had the good fortune of knowing him since kind of the beginning of all of this. Yeah, he was one of the absolutely. earliest adopters and earliest fans. And I think you can tell why, because he's business focused and, um, satisfaction's focused, right? He's just not out there half-assing it like a lot of us have been or, or continue to do. But if you're listening to this, you're already uh, on your way, I would say, to, uh, to improving what you need to do to run a more successful coaching business. So, uh, Will, thank you again, man. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon and hopefully everybody will uh, get in touch with you as well. Fantastic. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks. Bye. Be good. Hey there, Spencer here again with a quick reminder. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to review, share, and subscribe. It's our goal to make as big an impact on the coaching world as we can, and your support helps us do that in a big way. So again, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.